and welcome to another edition of Seattle Nice. This week, the response to a leaked draft of a Supreme Court opinion that could overturn Roe versus Wade. The questions we'll be asking, how is Washington State responding? How are people in Seattle responding? And are they responding the right way, I guess, is part of the question. Uh, here to talk it over, two people who need no introductions, political consultant Sandeep Kaushik and Publicola's Erica C. Barnett. Erica, before we jump right into it, I know that, um, you know, it's a personal issue for a lot of people, but you at one point worked for, for NARAL. Yeah. So I, um, I'll give you just a little bit of my, my history on this issue very quickly. You know, I, I grew up in Mississippi, um, uh, was born there. Um, one of the states that is going to ban abortions very quickly. Um, uh, mostly grew up in Texas and then moved out here. And for a while, for a couple of years, I worked for NARAL Pro Choice Washington. And um, one of the one of the things that was most kind of frustrating when I worked there is we never had enough money, we never had enough attention, we could never get reporters to write about abortion. And I think part of that was, and we can talk about this more, but part of that was that in Washington State, and I think in the U.S. in general, people believed for a very, you know, for a very long time leading up to almost this decision that Roe was settled law and that in Washington state, our right is secure because of uh, an, a law that, that that does protect it. And so we didn't need to worry about it. And so it was just tremendously hard to get anybody to give a shit. And I fear that it's going to go back to being tremendously hard to get people to give a shit, you know, after this, the actual opinions released and everybody kind of has their say and moves on to the next thing. You know, I, just to reinforce what Erica just said, I, so I, I got started in campaigns in Washington State about a little over 15 years ago. And back then, um, questions around choice and, and, uh, and, and abortion rights was still a very live issue in campaigns, right? I mean, it, it, it was still in Washington State uh, a kind of proxy or shorthand for, for um, denoting a candidate's worldview, Right. And 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 so it was very prominent. We would feature that candidates are pro-choice, right, to kind of signal to voters, hey, they're progressive like you and they share your values. It was it was really a kind of central piece of the pitch as Democrats we used to do. And that really did fade over time, even as the legal threats to Roe were actually growing. Right. The, these sort of other culture war kinds of issues superseded the um the spotlight uh that had been for a long time in Washington state on 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 our tradition as a very strongly pro choice state um and and to to Erica's point you know um the threat was actually growing but but people got complacent and i would say it's not just that people are complacent which they which they certainly have been for a long time i i would say it's also that people i mean it's very you know the the threat of not being able to get an abortion you know even though half of america is women and and people can get pregnant and you know and on all of that you know you could say well this affects so many people and it affects men too because you know men will become parents without wanting to be and be unable to support the kids etc cetera, etc cetera. abortion and the access to it is you know only affects a, a minority of people uh, rich women can go across state lines or travel, and 
you know, and, and not everybody is of childbearing age. So you're talking about a small slice of people. It's very hard to get people to care about a minority. Um, and, and it's also just very hard to get people to care about, you know, so-called women's issues. It always has been birth control, uh, which, you know, very well could be next is another thing that we take for granted. And, you know, there are other issues like this. I'm not saying women's, you know, quote unquote women's issues, because I don't think it's just a women's issue. Um, I, I'm not saying that's the only one. I mean, climate change is similar. There are other issues that are sort of, you know, hard to think about and hard to care about for people. But this has just always felt like one of those issues that no matter what, even in states where it is, um, you know, going to be banned, it has been hard to grab, you know, people's attention and grab people's concern because it just has felt like, you know, Roe is settled law and we don't have to worry about it to a lot of people. Can I ask a question uh, of both of you, which is just, uh, thinking about this, you know, going back to 2000, Al Gore, Ralph Nader, you know, one of the big issues then was Ralph Nader saying, really, there's no huge difference between the Democratic and the Republican Party when it comes to some of the issues that he cared about. And the pushback was, you know, no, when it comes to the Supreme Court, that matters, right? Third party candidates after 2000 stopped even serious ones stopped even running. I mean, we had Jill Stein, I guess. You know, but but you didn't see th- uh, serious third party challenges really after after Ralph Nader in 2000. And I'd always thought, well, part of that issue is the Supreme Court, which which um, certainly centrist Democrats like Chuck Schumer or whatever, or Patty Murray, you know, are, are you know, have been talking about this whole time. So talk to me a little bit about like the dynamics within the Democratic Party and on the left on that issue. Sure, I'll I'll dive in. First of all, um. Uh, you know, elections do have consequences and who wins these national elections really does matter. And I think that was driven home in a really pointed way by the incredibly close, you know, 500 vote differential in Florida in 2000 that put um, Bush into office rather than Al Gore. And, you know, leave aside the Supreme Court, but, you know, the Iraq war, I mean, think about how the trajectory of 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 the recent history of the United States was, was changed by that. And I think that was hugely, that was a wake up call back then in 2000 to a lot of people that, you know, this sort of third party, you know, purist flirtation shit is, you know, uh, it can have consequences. Um, and uh, let, let me bring you an example closer to home in 2016, another very close election where, you know, Trump ends up in office even though he loses the popular vote. And our own city council member, Shama Sawant, is out there leading rallies against Hillary Clinton, you know, in the run up to that election. I think because she thought Hillary was going to win and it was like a. Well, Hillary you know, did win Washington state. And it's not well, like Shama Sawant yeah, affected voters in Florida or something. But she was in Philadelphia at the Democratic convention leading rallies against, you know, Hillary Clinton. Like, I, 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 it was like the lesson of 2000 had sort of been forgotten again by some of these kind of fringe lefties. And, and I, it's something that I think we need to kind of keep in mind. Like this is a two party system and, you know, your kind of purest vote for, you know, Che Guevara, right, uh, to, to bring up my favorite leftist, <laughs> is not going to, you know, it, it, it has consequences. I mean, maybe not in Washington state, but but in a lot of places it does. 
Well, I mean, sure. I, I, I would say, though, that the Democratic Party has, you know, failed for the last 50 years to uh, to consider the fact that if they don't if they don't take action on these issues, if they don't raise abortion in particular as an issue, but it, but also like if they don't think strategically, which they have never been great at doing, we get a Supreme Court that has the kind of majority that it has now with a lot of young people that, you know, because of lifetime appointments, I mean, the, the waiting to die strategy is not going to work with. So we could be fucked for, you know, 50 years if it's going to rely on the Supreme Court. And I think that a lot of that falls on Democrats' heads. And I'm not saying, you know, I was a Hillary supporter. I'm not saying I don't support the Democratic Party because I do. Um, and I think that that is important. But I also think the Democrats have to answer for the fact that they have not considered um, the Supreme Court to be a primary issue in, you know, in campaigns, in their, you know, in, in their policies uh, being preserved. And the Republicans absolutely have. They've worked for 50 years to get this and they got it. And, you know, the Democrats and, and a lot of just voters in general are kind of twi- twiddling their thumbs because the Supreme Court is, is you know, is boring and it's a small number of people and we don't vote for them. Um, but it really matters, obviously. And, um, and I, you know, and I think that the, the Democrats share a lot of the blame for that. Well, let me let me just take it back to that, though. Samuel Alito was a George W. Bush nominee. Alito is is super far right, but not at all far right compared to the justices that Trump was able to get on the court. So, um, you know, Alito was deluded until, you know, until we elected Trump, or we, not we, until America elected Trump. Yeah. I mean, there's a series of really, you know, close calls and missteps. David, as you say, going back to 2000 and that incredibly narrow Bush victory over um, Al Gore, but but then, yeah, the 2016 victory or Ruth Bader Ginsburg deciding not to retire. And, then, you know, I, I mean, there's a whole series of things that ha- that that happened that all went in their direction so that now they have this supermajority on the Supreme Court and that that will be locked in place for decades to come in all likelihood. And so um, the threat, you know, if you're paying attention, the threat to Roe um, was there and has been there for, certainly over the last five or six years um, as Trump put three more, you know, people where he said publicly he had a litmus test that that they had to, you know, be uh, ultra conservative and basically um, uh, anti-choice. Uh, so anyway, I, I yeah, I, I mean, this has been I think Erica's right. This has been coming for, for a long time. I will say even on the complacency front, even I, I will admit, even I thought that they that. Alito and company wouldn't go this far. And and who knows, maybe they, this is a draft opinion. Maybe they'll back away from it somewhat. I thought maybe they would try to kind of hollow out Roe, but leave it in place. But no, they're going all, you know, this Alito opinion is the full meal deal, right? He's just like, tear it all down. Um, 50 years of precedent, you know, um, go, go back to the foundation. I, I didn't really, in my heart of hearts, think that even this, conservative supermajority in the Supreme Court would go all the way there, but it, apparently they are. Those of us who've been screaming about this for, in my case, 20, 20 years or more, you know, are looking at people like you, Sunday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's all you know, my fault. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's just one of those issues that it, that it feels like, 
you know, whenever, whenever, you know, people, people like me and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit player here, obviously. Um, I'm not an activist. I don't work for an abortion rights organization now, but you know, whenever we've brought it up, we've just been told that there are other issues that matter more and that, you know, this one's protected, so we don't need to worry about it. And, and what about all these other issues that, you know, that, that are more important to more people and, you know, go sit down. And it's very frustrating to, to now sort of see everybody freaking out and going, oh, my God, what will Joe Biden do? Joe Biden, who, you know, has never been a strong supporter of abortion rights. Uh, what, will, what will Jay Inslee do? Jay Inslee, who cannot say the word abortion to save his life. I mean, man, I was at a, a Planned Parenthood event um, years ago. And Inslee was the keynote speaker and he stood up there and I mean, we were, I was sitting at the narrow table and we were, you know, in the back. Um, and I mean, we just couldn't stop giggling because he could not, it was an abortion rights group and their fundraiser. And he could not say the word abortion. He kept referring to it as women's liberty interests. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that sounds like a bank, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, who knows what that is? So like when you have Democrats and, you know, and people who are considered progressive Democrats and Democratic men, I would say, um, who are not even willing to utter, you know, abortion like it's an icky word. Um, I, what, what hope did we ever have of this being, you know, considered a major issue in the mainstream of America? Well, I, I will say this. I, I, I'm not sure that it's not kind of continuing that we're downplaying kind of abortion itself as the the the, the centerpiece of of what's happening here with the repeal of Roe. I and I, I, I I've actually been really troubled by the mess by the dominant messaging I'm hearing out of Democrats in D.C. and the sort of pundit class about this, which is basically they've adopted that this isn't just about abortion. This is about uh, interracial marriage or gay marriage or contraception or, you know, you know, we, we've got to make it this, you know, fix this in some kind of larger apocalyptic culture war battle in order to make it relevant, right, is sort of the, the implicit understanding of that message. And frankly, I think that's, that, that's wrong. If you actually want to get the political win here, this is really, I think, at its core, a Republican attack on the, you know, on, on the freedom and autonomy of particularly lower middle class and poor women, right? If you're a upper middle class or wealthy woman, even in a red state, this is a, you're going to have access to, to abortion. It's, it's a bit of a road bump. Even if you're middle class, it's, it's a much bigger, uh, hurdle. But you still ought to be, you know, you'll have the resources probably to. to if you're access. an adult, but, but if, I would add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you're lower middle class or poor, you're you're this is being your access to these services are gone. You know, you're never going to be able to afford it, right? The 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 travel and the cost and all, and all of that stuff. And I think it, it we should be putting. If I could wave a magic wand, I would be putting all of the messaging there, talking to non-college-educated women, independent women in red states saying, look at what the Republicans are doing. They're taking this away from you, you know, I mean, uh, and, and, and make that, the, you know, the, the, the core of that appeal. Those are the sorts of voters who, you know, they're not Seattle culture war partisans. They're not like spending all day thinking about how, you know, they hate 
right-wing Republicans and their culture, you know, these are much more culturally traditional people and they're much more sort of kitchen table focused about how does this impact me, right? Rather than these sort of theoretical abstract concepts about what might happen down the road with, you know, interracial marriage, right? And, and, and I don't, I, I, I'm hearing that messaging getting lost in the response here in a way that I think is, is a mistake. So, but the conventional wisdom, Sandeep, is that the concern ought to be uh, for suburban swing voters, kind of the soccer moms of the 90s, you know, fast forwarding to today in races like the 8th Congressional District here in Washington State, where Kim Schreier is facing, you know, a really tough reelection battle that, you know, the rubber hits the road among, like, say, independent uh, middle class women in Issaquah. But you're saying, no, it's it's Pierce County or what? what are you saying? Well, no, what, what I'm saying is, is I think organically, like those kind of educated, less ideological upscale suburban women are going to respond to this uh, on their own, right? I mean, they, 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 they get it and they see that threat and, and we don't really have to kind of convince them that this is an, you know, an attack on women's reproductive health. I'm saying where the opportunity is for us is to go to those women who aren't naturally, you know, hardcore kind of, kind of, you know, who are actually pretty swingy voters and, and culturally maybe lean Republican, on a, on a lot of stuff, but there's an opportunity for us to be talking to them directly about what they're losing here rather than trying to make, well, this whole stuff about it's part of this larger culture war and we should be all animated about how, that's a base mobilization message and strategy. It's not a, a strategy about how do we reach out to women who maybe weren't aren't entirely with us and talk to them about what, what this, the direct implications this has for their lives. Right. And, and I think that's, what's getting lost here. And it, and it's sort of been bugging me over the last few days. I I just want to ask about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings from uh, 2018 when Democrats were convinced that opposition to Brett Kavanaugh was really going to help them. And it didn't, especially in those working class areas that you're talking about. It actually it actually went the opposite direction. For whatever reason, polling kind of turned against Democrats. So this is really the complacency on the part of sort of the, the chattering class or the political you know pundit class or the political consultant class is one thing. But when that class as a group in 2018 tried to make abortion an important issue with the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, as well as violence against women, obviously, it backfired. Right. That that kind of backfired for whatever reason. It's hard to know. And it seemed to backfire in in precisely those areas Sandeep was just talking about. And so I'm pushing back against both of you and saying, I think Democrats have made um, uh, abortion in the Supreme Court important issues. They did in 2018 and it didn't work. Yeah, well, Erica, that's for you. I mean, I think that I think that the Kavanaugh, the issue that people remember from the Kavanaugh hearings, at least that I do, um, was the issue of of sexual abuse and sexual assault of women. And I think that is an issue that people in this country, by and large, do not care about. No one gets canceled, um, really, um, unless they unless they have dozens of people of women coming out against them. Um and uh, and it's just it's not I mean, sadly, it's it's not something that people care about as much as they should should care about it. Um, I, I will say, you know, on the issue of, of that Sandeep brought up of of sort of appealing to red state women. I mean, I do I don't actually think that we should take, you know, the quote unquote soccer moms um, which for granted, because I, I think that those are the people who, you know, either are 
beyond the point, you know, they're on birth control, they're middle class, they're less likely to have an unintended pregnancy than like their daughters and um, and then uh, than four women, as Sandeep mentioned. So I, I do think that the way to appeal to suburban women, um, you know, or sort of uh, reflexively Republican women, um, and I have some experience with this <laughs> uh, myself because I, you know, my family is Republican. Um, is is to talk about their daughters and talk about what would happen if your daughter, you know, had an unintended pregnancy. Would you want her to be able to get abortion? Would you be able to, would you want her to be able to get birth control, you know, if she felt uncomfortable talking to you about it um, in order not to become pregnant? And, you know, I, just in my own experience, I mean, I, with Republican parents, you know, I learned about birth control very young. Um, my, uh, Republican, uh, Fox watching grandmother, um, who's a Southern Baptist is pro-choice and, you know, and, and so I think that you can actually appeal to people who are reflexively Republican on this issue, you know, by talking about what, what it would mean for their children, um, and, and what it would mean for, for, for their economic future and just their, their prospects in the future in general. Um, so, you know, that is, that is kind of where I would go if I was, uh, you know, a political consultant, I guess. I mean, I think in Washington state, um, focusing on the eighth district is kind of the only, uh, the only thing right now. We are a pretty blue state overall. Um, but, you know, we obviously have a democratic district that could and very possibly will swing Republican. So I think that's, I agree with Sandeep. That's, that's very important right now. Look, I, I do think the Republicans are, in, in, playing with fire, right? In in going this far and and wiping out Roe. Now, it, it, you know, and you saw it in D.C. with with Mitch McConnell wanting to turn the entire conversation to who leaked and why oh, this terrible leak, rather than celebrating and you know dancing on the grave of Roe. Right? I think they're, you know, some of the the uh, strategists in the de- in the Republican Party are potentially worried about the consequences in places like the 8th Congressional District. Um, I do, you know, I do think even this, even the overturning of Roe, I I think it will benefit Democrats. I don't know how much in the short term, because I think in places like Washington State, a lot of people still feel like it's not going to affect them, right? Abortion rights are are in, in blue states like Washington, which has a long tradition predating Roe of you know, uh, uh, strong public uh, support for abor- abortion rights. It was, when was it, 1970, Erica, that that, that there was a voter um, ballot initiative here enshrining abortion rights? I can't remember exactly, but it was, it was like three years before Roe. Um, um, uh, so, but, but, uh, you know, I, I think that we've talked about this before, the, the, the Republicans and their base have gone pretty crazy in recent years. And if they do get power in um, in November, right? If they say say they take both houses of Congress, where I think it really starts to politically go off the rails for them is if they start pushing kind of federal abortion bans or federal, you know, six weeks or fifteen weeks or whatever, which their base is going to push them to do. And if they, yeah, and if if and or when they do that. And they start telling people in blue states that we're coming for you and your rights, then it's going to frickin blow up in their faces. Right. I mean, you know, then, you know, so I it's going to be interesting to see how much this plays into the Schreier race and uh, c- coming up to this November. But even if it doesn't have an immediate 
big impact. The direction the Republicans are going on this shit is is politically, you know, they're 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 playing with a hand grenade. King County Council Member Reagan Dunn is somebody that I wanted to bring into this conversation. Sort of a moderate e kind of a Republican. He's running against Kim Schreier. Could be a formidable opponent in that eighth district race. And Dunn's not really saying anything. He's saying, you know, Erica, that he that he wants to investigate the leak. <laughs> totally focused on that, but saying nothing about where he stands on abortion. And yeah, I I just wonder, like, you know, does he kind of is he able to to keep doing that? Um, what advice would you give him as sort of an evil, soulless political consultant about? How to dodge this question forever? Because obviously, it's a huge problem for him if he if he uh, answers it, you know, before the before the uh, primary. Republican voters are going to punish him if he says anything other than he wants a federal ban on abortion, right? And then if he says that, he's sort of screwed in the general election, I would think. But what would you? What advice would you give Reagan Dunn, Sandeep? I think Reagan Dunn in the past, my understanding has been that he sort of presented himself as a pro-choice R. His mom, who held that congressional seat, was sort of, you know, famously in Washington state, uh, a, a pro-choice sort of upscale, um, you know, uh, Republican, um, uh, you know, conservative, a, a Reaganite conservative, but but pro-choice. Um, you know, I mean, Ronald Reagan was pro-choice at one point in his career, right? Right. The old Republican Party was was different. Um, so, I, look, I, I, I think it's it, it, the fact that he's ducking and dodging right now is is super interesting and indicative of the fact that he's caught. As you say, David, he's caught between his base and and the actual voters he needs to win an election. I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what people can do right now, because I think people um, in in uh, blue states like ours are probably wondering, um, you know, what how, how to support people who need abortions. Um, and I think uh, one really good way to do that is to give to a state abortion fund. Um, pick a state. There's a lot of states that are going to have terrible, terrible abortion laws already do. Um, Texas has a quote unquote heartbeat law, which uh, bans abortions before uh, many women are aware that they are pregnant. Um, and you know, I mean, speaking of crossing state lines, you actually don't have to cross state lines for most abortions uh, because most abortions now are by pill. So you take you take a series of two pills and um, and that is that is what an abortion consists of. So um, those can still be sent to states with abortion bans. I don't know how long that will be the case. And I don't know, like when, you know, the the USPS is going to get drug sniffing dogs to uh, make sure that women aren't accessing abortion that way. But right now they can. So, you know, look into ways to to get abortion pills, to give money to those abortion funds um, so that, you know, so that women who don't have access now, who are in the half of the country that's going to be cut off from access uh, right away can can still access it, including women who need to you know cross state lines for uh, for later term abortions um, and just need the money to do it. And, you know, of course, the time off from work and all that. But money helps. That's it for another edition of Seattle Nice. She's Erica C. Barnett. He's Sandeep Kashik. I'm David Hyde. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening and for contacting us at Twitter. It's at Real Seattle Nice at Twitter. Our direct messages are open. You can also donate. Please donate at Patreon. Seattle Nice at Patreon. And thank you, everyone, so much for listening. <laughs>